I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Welcome to Jetpacks are overrated. This week on Jetpacks are overrated. A conversation about the state of passwords. From biometrics to two-factor authentication, there's a lot of new tools in the mix that might lead some to feel like there will be a version of our future out there on the horizon where we can finally stop having to remember so many damn passwords. This episode does not sell you such a promise, unfortunately, but it does take a close look at where we're at with the whole idea of being authenticated online. And the good news is that while passwords are here to stay, we'll get asked to type them in less and less often. My chat today is with Alex Salazar, he's Vice President of Product Strategy at Okta, which is a company that specializes in digital authentication. They help companies simplify logins by offering tools like single sign-on across a whole bunch of web services, or making it easier for companies to use their tools to improve how they let their users log in, all that kind of thing. I started by asking Alex what he thinks the biggest reasons are that people still fail at getting basic account security right, even though we all kind of deep down really know that we should be doing better than we are. But everyone seems to cling to that idea that we're doing just fine until they suddenly discover that they've been hacked. I saw the question I laughed when I first saw it. It's a good question. Um, It's it's a good question that I think a lot of people don't ask enough anymore. But look... I think the number one problem is that there isn't enough education out there. Um, you know, the average consumer doesn't doesn't yet fully understand, you know, the problems and the risks. Um, and and same thing with the same thing with organizations. You know, most organizations that they're focused on so many other things that they don't fully they don't fully understand the the risks that 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 they're incurring and where they're incurring it. But I, I think as well. For consumers, it's not always clear that it should be the highest priority. Look, I mean, when you go to a website and ask you for a complex password, the easiest thing to do is to reuse some password you've been reusing for the last 20 years. You know, that extra effort to go, you know, set up multi-factor or put in a, a more a more secure password is 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 a, is a high level of friction for the average consumer who may not fully understand the you know the risks that are out there and, and, and why they get they get the stuff right. You know, for many people unfortunately it, it takes it takes an account compromise uh, to bring it home. I feel like it's one of those cases of um people sort of assuming that nothing that they do is ever important enough to worry about. And then 
And then it sort of finally hits home when, yeah, when suddenly they've realized that some account has been compromised and their bank has been accessed and everything else that can go along with it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so yeah, so then yeah, on the organizational level, you know, it feels like yeah, I like I have worked for an organization that used Okta in the past. Um, but I think there's so many sort of people out there that again, yeah, they sort of don't really sort of hit what probably should be a minimum standard these days. So um, you know, do you think it is an education thing for bosses, or you know, is there a, a laziness or convenience factor there that means people are sort of avoiding doing what they maybe know they should be doing? Yeah, I, I think for organizations, it's a bit more complicated, uh, you know, than, than it is for for the consumer problem. Um, I think for organizations, look, there's convenience is always an issue for for any technology. You know, technology adoption is always limited in part by by the convenience of of adoption, and I think that. That's not different in the case of, of authentication technology and user, and user security. And just like consumers, managers and, and, and leaders at these organizations are also having an education problem. You know, not everybody fully understands where the risks are. I think most people understand that account security is important, but they may not fully understand all the different ways and places where they need to secure the accounts. So they might secure it on this application, but not realize that there's still a problem over there. What's also a challenge is that. Organizations require there to be expertise on staff. You know, they require there to be enough IT people who understand this problem, or they require a you know, business leader who, who, who understands it enough to make it a priority. Or barring all of that, having a relationship with you know, a consulting firm or an integration firm that can help them do the work. And so for, I think for organizations, it's a bit more complicated where they need to have a bigger lift to get it right. But again, I think it's all solvable. You know, and I think the good news is, I think we consistently see a trend towards people getting more aware of this problem set and the solutions becoming more accessible, even for the smallest organization. Well, yeah, I mean, that's, that's good news. <laughs> um, yeah, I, uh, I guess, yeah, the, the other sort of, well, yeah, I, I know you guys have kind of some interesting stats. I think I sort of was, you know, um, looking around and saw some interesting data points. So, yeah, I'm curious sort of what for you are the big things that would help someone understand um, when it comes to things like, you know, or the, you know, I guess the how often an attack vector is, you know, getting access to someone's credentials versus, uh, you know, phishing attacks and different kinds of ways uh, that people are sort of finding their way into organizations. Yeah, I mean, you know, if I were talking to, if I were talking to an IT leader at an organization, you know, depending on depending on on which which workloads we were talking about, if we were talking about let's say a custom built web or mobile application, and I and, and, and I wanted to make it clear how much this mattered, I would just have them look at their AWS logs. I mean, the penetration is now so automated by attackers that if you've got a machine in the wild. It's being hit on a regular basis as someone's probing it, trying to find its way in to figure out if they can if they can breach the application. And and depending on what workload I'm talking about, I can show you similar examples where you can really see firsthand how much security pressure exists on your systems, even if you aren't seeing it on a day to day basis. Yeah, that's a really good point. I know even you know I just have a yeah, you know, a pretty basic 
uh, web server set up of my own, have for many years. And you're right, even just when you sort of see logs and I mean, even right on our home network routers, if you, if you have ever known how to look at a log on that, you suddenly realize that these things are just getting pinged constantly looking for the, I guess, standard errors that automated hacking kind of knows to look for. So you just don't want to make yourself the, uh, uh, you know, sitting there in the, in the uh, prime target zone of never having changed any defaults and all those kinds of issues, right? Yeah. And, and, and because the bar is so low and, and, so, and so many attacks are, are automated, even, even, a, even a modest investment in security can have an outsized impact because most of these automated attacks are just looking for the lowest common denominator, right? There's, there's so many systems out there that, that haven't even done the most basic patching on their systems. Um, that if, if, if you're making even a modest investment, you're unlikely to get hit by most of those automated attacks. Now, don't get me wrong. You know, if you are a larger target, if your if your if your systems have more data, if you're paying, you obviously need to do a lot more than the basics. But even even the basics are pretty outsized for most organizations. And then, yeah, I think the other big thing that we're seeing so much in the public sphere these days is, you know, there's always some latest update on however many hundred million account <laughs> credentials have been lost in some sort of a hack on, you know, whatever kind of big email organization or uh, banking organization or wherever it might be out there. Um, and again, you know, I, I use some, you know, hopefully reasonably good tools um, that alert me to the idea that, you know, uh, it will know if some of my credentials were uh, used in any given sort of place um, and therefore I should be updating them. But I guess most people wouldn't do that. And in fact, most people use the same password in multiple places. So I'm curious sort of what's your understanding of where we're at when it comes to password reuse or, you know, after a hack where the people, you know, most people get around to to running their updates if they haven't been forced to do so? Yeah. Password reuse is a huge problem. Um, and if I could wave a magic wand, everyone would be using a password manager. Um, you know, whether they were using a you know third-party one like Dashlane or they were using something built into, you know, uh, their their iPhone or built into Chrome, or they were using, you know, what the one they get for free when if they're an Okta customer, regardless of what they're using, if, if people were not reusing passwords, this problem would be a lot easier to solve. That being said, for organizations who want to protect themselves against password reuse, forcing their users to recycle passwords is 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 a way of that workload, those applications from that user's credential being stolen somewhere else. It is an un- it, the, the user experience isn't the best, um, but it's good enough to help protect the applications that you might own. And then I think, but then I guess let's you know now get into the kind of the cool stuff almost, which is that you know the the, pro- the solutions exist, right? And when it comes mm-hmm. to things like two factor, multi factor, I know that's kind of something where I've experienced that through my own use of Opta in the past. Um, yeah. You know. How do you explain that as easily as possible to someone to understand why those elements make such a huge difference? Yeah, that's a great point. And so, well, let me go back and say that in addition to people cycling their passwords, turning on multi-factor authentication for your, you know, if you're an organization, turning those on for your applications is also a way of dramatically reducing the risk of someone's credentials being used. Now, to answer your question of like, how do you explain multi-factor authentication to somebody else? The most basic example that, that, that I've heard that I can give to other people 
is your bank card, your ATM card. When you go take money out of the bank, it's not just enough to know your, 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 your PIN or your passcode to your bank account. You also have to have your, your bank card with you. So when you go to the ATM, you put your bank card in, you put in your PIN, and the combination of something you know and something you physically have with you is enough to give the bank a sense, uh, a high enough level of assurance that it is in fact you and they're going to dispense money to you. Multi-factor authentication is basically that concept. But as the industry and the technology gets better, what you're seeing is there are more and more factors or as, as we're now starting to look at them, more and more signals that we can apply to get a sense that it's you. And so the most basic example is something you know and something you have. But what we're starting to see in the digital world is I also know your IP address. I may also know your geolocation. I might also know um, that I might also recognize your, your, your phone and have a fingerprint on that phone that says, oh, hey, wait a second. That's that person's phone. And I've seen it before. It was still them when I saw in the other applications. So because I've seen this thing twice by the same person, the same IP on the same address, I, I have confidence is in fact this user. And we're seeing more and more you know, points of signal become available as technology is getting better. But it's really using the combination of information to get a, effectively assessment of risk of who this user is and then making a business decision as to when I'm going to let you in based on all that data. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today. This is probably a good place to just sort of slot in that big picture question then is, you know, do these sorts of tools put us on that path to maybe potentially escaping, you know, the, the, the password itself? Or, you know, if you are appropriately using multi-factor does that first password and constantly updating it, does that still matter as much? Or, you know, yeah, do we head down a road now where if we're doing the rest of these things right, that we can we can almost or or can we finally one day get rid of the password? I think it really depends on the application you're trying to secure. And so I I believe the password is going to be alive and well. Um it for the next for the next let's call it five to ten years, but I do believe that the reliance on the password alone will drop pretty dramatically. You know there are a lot of benefits to a password. Um, you know they're you know despite despite our frustrations they're 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 easy ish to remember. A password manager can do a lot. Um, they're easy to they're very easy to recover. So if you forget your password, it's fairly easy to get a new one. Um, and so there are other there are other and, and they're also really easy to implement for software developers. 
And so for those reasons, I don't think the password's going to go anywhere for a long time. But I think if the industry, you know, our customers uh, and, and, and our R&D teams and our partners and our competitors all do our jobs right, what, we, what I hope to see is a lowering of the reliance on the password, a, a world where you're not prompted for the password as often, where, you know, we can see so much more about you. Again, your IP address, your, um, your device fingerprints, uh, the behavior uh, that you're exhibiting on an application and use enough of the signals to make a determination behind the scenes that we believe it's you. And if we believe it's you, then maybe if we have a high enough set of assurances, maybe we don't prompt you for a password that time. And maybe we don't, maybe we don't prompt you for a password until we don't have enough confidence anymore. Like once we start to lose enough confidence that it is in fact you, then we prompt you for a password. And then maybe we prompt you for another factor, um, you know, like a one-time passcode push to the mobile app. I think in a perfect world, the user's only being authenticated when we think something's wrong or we're not sure if it's actually them. Does that also raise the potential of, because I think one of the things people are scared of sometimes is, uh, you know, for uh, at least at least for you know, a good few years now, we've been you know, telling people, you know, you need complex passwords. Um, does it perhaps start to reduce the requirement for the password to be quite so so complex because it's only one of a set of of parameters? Um, you know, or is you know is that still going to be essentially you know true best practice for a long time? Or you know best practice versus uh, what is practically um, you know still a very good uh, part of the solution is you know not not using password one or any of those kinds of really terrible ones, um, but using something that's a little simpler to remember as well. So that's a complicated question. I, I, it I sure think, is. It sure <laughs> is. And so. I think that password security is never going to become more simple than it is today. Um, I will, and I personally will always be an advocate for consumers being smart enough about password security to, to use more complex passwords and hopefully get to a place where things like password managers are more common so that a complex password is very easy. Um, you know, if you are using password managers, very complex password is is exceptionally easy to implement uh, and and use. You know you don't have to remember it. You know the the app just remembers it for you. There's a benefit to secu- the reason why complex passwords matter is that if your password is ever stolen from another website, it's harder for an algorithm to reverse engineer it and figure out what it was. Um, and I and I think that risk is not going to go away. But if you know if 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 the industry you know. The, the, the web and mobile applications that you love and use as, as customers um, start to implement other factors of authentication, then I think the pressure on consumers having to recycle passwords or use increasingly complex passwords will lessen, but I don't think it'll go away. I think, I think where, where, all the, where the industry is going is improving the, the, the user experience around high levels of user, of user security. Right. As we start to build more and more of these factors, as we start to build more and more of these risk signals about who the user is, as we start to build out more AI and more machine learning around all these signals to determine factors of risk and be able to get a green light or red light on whether or not we trust this user on this app. My hope is that we we can we can use all that signal to say, hey, you know what? Let's not prompt this person for a password right now. We we trust them enough, we're gonna let them sail through for now. And if we do that, then I think 
we can get the best of both worlds in security, high usability and high security. So where do you think we're at right now on the convenience and security element when it comes to multi-factor? I know, you know, uh, again, sort of, you know, and I, I have lots of my own accounts set up with additional authentication tokens. Um, but I know there's plenty of people out there who, you know, it's the, oh, God, I've got to go and find the, I mean, literally they're only pulling their phone out of their pocket, but they still find it annoying. Um, but, you know, I mean, yeah, it's, it is that kind of extra hoop, but it definitely does, you know, seem like, and, and I guess sort of some of the, the new ways of adding in sort of that second factor or a multi-factor um, does seem like it is starting to smooth out. You know, what do you feel like that journey has been so far? I guess, you know, I, I do remember using a an old VeriSign, like, you know, keychain dongle many years ago, but thankfully it's all just integrated into our phones now and things like that. Yeah, I mean, I, I think we're at the start of, of a really exciting, a really exciting era in, in authentication. The technology technology today is 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 there to, to start delivering a very good balance of, of user experience and security um, you know and you see it you know depending on the applications you use you, you use you know the more forward-leaning companies are already showcasing how they can minimize user friction while ensuring higher levels of security um, and an example of that this is a bit self-serving but an example of that are octa customers our, the, the, our single sign-on solution is a great example of, of us using technology to reduce the friction needed to authenticate into applications. Prior to, prior to Okta, if you were working in an organization with a number of cloud applications, you'd have to go create and manage accounts in Salesforce and Box, in Slack, in Zoom. But with, with our single sign-on tech, we made it available so you could sign in once in the morning. And then be able to access all those applications throughout the day with having to re-authenticate or having to remember a password or having to register for a new account. And so the, te- the technology is already there to balance user experience and security. And it's, and it's getting better, right? Now we have multi-factor. So it becomes very easy for the end user to turn on, to turn on register multi-factor. Very easy for the organization to turn on multi-factor. As we start to see more of these the, these security signals as Octus contextual authentication gets stronger and stronger, we're starting to make it easier for IT admins to start doing risk-based authentication. Um, so all the tech is going there. Now it's just a function of customers starting to prioritize implementation of these systems. Yeah, I think one of the examples I recall from Okta was that you know I got to choose a, a photo that would appear on the login page. And that also helped to reaffirm to me that I was actually on the right page, logging into the right, you know, I hadn't been fished, I hadn't been sent to some other location. So it definitely does seem like there's a clever two-way street part to to that sort of a, um, a single sign-on process as well, right? So, you know, I think, you know, what are sort of, I mean, that's part of one example, but, you know, what are what are some of those elements there that, that helps to kind of, you know, help someone understand how uh, the tools that, you know, that you guys are making, um, you know, is, is helping both, I guess, the user and, and the simplicity of that sort of a, uh, a once a day type of thing. I, I'd kind of forgotten that idea, but, but that's a great point that, that when I've signed into the first tool I'm using on that given day, that through, through the use of your tools, it means I've, you know, I'm, I'm essentially ready to go in whichever other thing I then open after that. And I want to be clear. I mean, there's still there's still a long there's still a long way to go, and we feel that every day in our R and D team. You know, we still believe we can do better. We still envision a world 
where we can make as much of this stuff invisible. And, and there's still a lot of still a lot of research and development to get there. But but I do feel great that the technology is already starting to break down that wall between user experience and security with the tech that's available today. And so, you know, he, he's a good window for you to pitch. Let's say we're, we're in an elevator. It's okay. It's a very tall building. Um, you know, what's Okta doing that sets it apart, uh, you know, as the best multi-factor or best authentication uh, choice on the market right now? Yeah, um, I, I think the thing that makes Okta the better solution for our customers is that we are putting a tremendous amount of effort in striking that balance between user experience and security. And, and, and you yourself as an Okta customer have experienced that. And we continue to make that investment. And one place where that's most evident is in multi-factor authentication, where we're not just giving our customers the ability to turn on multi-factor authentication and the end users to use it. We're also continue to invest very heavily in making that multi-factor authentication smarter, more contextual, so that we get to a place in the near future where we're only prompting the user for credentials when something's when we think something's wrong, when we when we don't have enough signal that we trust the user and we need to verify it's them. And so then, you know, what what are the the next big challenges that you know that, that keep you excited about you know, doing this job every day? What do you feel like the unsolved kind of problems are within this within this category at the moment uh, that that you guys are hoping that you can yeah you know, uh, deal with for for customers? Well, for me, the thing I'm most excited about is if you look at Okta and you look at where we've been successful, we've been very successful in a very narrow band of resources. Okta today is successful helping you secure your SaaS applications, helping you secure your APIs, and helping you secure custom-built web and mobile applications. For They're both either internally focused, where we're helping secure your, your employees accessing critical systems, or we're helping you manage your partners accessing critical systems, or we're helping you manage customer identities in your customer-facing applications. And we're doing exceptionally well across all three of those. Where I get very excited, that there are so many other resources that a CIO or a CISO cares about. There are servers, there are databases, there's on-prem applications, there's devices, uh, there's workstations. We we have we have some degree of support for almost every resource a CIO cares about, but our products aren't yet focused on them. Um, and so, where I get really excited about Octus Future is our ability to go manage and manage security and take identity to more and more resources. Take all the value propositions, all the experiences that we brought to bear for your modern SaaS applications and start to make all of that available for almost every other resource that you might have. I think there's one of the elements uh, that came up in, in some of the uh, announcement information that I'm curious sort of if you can speak to the, um, the idea of uh, progressive profiling. Like it seems like my reading of it is... Uh, that, you know, if someone's running an online store or something like that, 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 you know, that you're trying to make it easier for someone to, to actually, you know, smoothly just get through to the idea of, I guess, creating an account with having to, without having to, you know, fill out a giant form, which means they kind of give up on, on creating the account in the first place and therefore finishing a, a transaction or something like that is, uh, am I reading that correctly? Is, is sort of that one of those ideas to, again, just smooth out that step one when somebody says, I just want to buy this cool thing. Um, but I, you know, I have to sort of create this set of credentials with, with a, a given website. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, again, it goes back to the interplay of user experience and security. You know, I think most of our conversation, you know, 
that we've had, you know, in, in part has focused on, you know, an employee accessing an internal system. Mm. But, you know, we have an equally robust product line around customer identity. So if tomorrow you were building a web app or a mobile app for, for you know, your audience, for them to log in and, you know, interact with some, some, some information about you and your, and your podcast, instead of you custom building out your own authentication registration screen, you would just plug Okta in. And so what Twilio is for messaging and what Stripe is for payments Okta has a product we call a customer identity. It's the same thing, but for authentication. Now, at the end of the day, they're all ultimately the same, the same, the same platform. Um, and so when you look at the user experience problem through the lens of you trying to interact with your customers, the urgency around user experience gets much higher, right? If, if, if it's an employee of yours, yeah, you know, they work for you. If you want to turn on multi-factor authentication, you can, and you know, they might grumble, but they'll do it. <laughs> yeah. For, for a customer, if you're if you're building an e-commerce store, if you turn on multi-factor authentication and require everybody to go through it, people are just going to leave, right? Um, if someone has to re-authenticate after they've already you know uh, filled out their cart with the things they want to buy, they might not transact, right? They might abandon the cart, and so that you know when we talk about how we're trying to strike a balance between you know, uh, user experience and security, that, that balance is most striking in customer-facing systems, in particular in e-commerce businesses. And so where pro- progressive profiling comes in is, again, trying to reduce that bar, uh, that user experience bar um, for, for one of these customer-facing applications. So that if a user comes in and you need to collect all this information about the user, you don't have to do it all up front. You know, you can lower that bar for the users to give you the bare minimum information that they'll actually fill out without bouncing on your registration page. And then as they keep coming back, we make it easier and easier for you to prompt the user for the missing information. So maybe you just ask for an email address and a phone number when they register for the first time. But then they come back the next week and maybe you ask them for their first and last name. Maybe you ask them for their address, you know, on the fourth or fifth visit. And you just progressively fill out the profile getting your business information they need while keeping the user experience tolerable for the end user. Closing it up, the you know, I'm keen for a, a parting critical tip for people out there who they they kind of quietly know that they know better, but they haven't quite gotten around to getting things working properly. Um, I'm, you know, what do you think, what would you say to them as the thing that should be at the front of their mind when it comes to account security? A great question. So if you are an end user, like you and me, the number one thing I recommend everybody do is start using a password manager. It is the easiest, highest impact account security decision they can make across all their, all the things they access online. I think for the more, for the most critical assets they interact with on a daily basis, like your bank, everybody's turning on multi-factor authentication. It's going to protect. It's going to protect your account from being breached if someone steals your password from another website. Uh, it's going to protect your account from any kind of phishing attacks that you might accidentally fall into. Now, for 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 managers, for business leaders, for IT leaders, my answer is a bit different uh, for them. And for them, it's ensure that you've got single sign-on turned on for all your for all your for all your applications. So that users don't have to start memorizing all these passwords. Because once users start 
to have to jump through all these hoops to remember passwords and, and log into systems, that's when you start seeing users take shortcuts. That's when you start seeing users, you know, reuse the same passwords everywhere. So if you have a single sign-on system, you don't have to do that. You can centrally manage and control all of this from one place. And if you do that, my second recommendation, similar to the first one, is turn on multi-factor authentication. If you can turn on MFA, you can eliminate a tremendous number of credential attacks just by turning it on. Jetpacks are overrated is hosted and produced by me, Seamus Byrne. You can find me online on Twitter. I'm at Seamus, or you can email the show via jetpacks at biteside.com. You can check out all shows from Biteside at biteside.com and catch up on past episodes or just subscribe via your favorite podcast app, even Spotify. I'll be back very shortly with more news, insights, and interviews, and we'll catch you next time. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.